Welcome to Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Greetings everyone. Karibuni sana. Happy new month. July is here with us. I almost said Baridi is here with us, but Baridi checked in in June. I hope to Naoga. I hope we are showering. Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi's podcast. My name is Fred Alexander Oyola, the pastor here in Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. Glad that you've decided to join in with us to listen in. Karibu sana. May the Lord bless you this year to immense fruitfulness. May you see him like never before. As we always start, announcements. Bible reading. Read your Bible. Pray every day if you want to grow. We began on the 11th of January. We are now on Proverbs chapter 4. Today is the 4th of July. We are on Proverbs 4. This month, we are taking the whole 31 days to read through the book of Proverbs. It's an amazing book for wisdom, for life. Read it with us and the Lord bless you. Tomorrow, we have a Bible study Zoom hangout. It's online. We are on the book of Job. Karibu at 8 p.m. East African time. Karibu sana. It's just an hour, a packed one hour full of goodies from the word of God. We're in the book of Job. In two weeks' time, we'll be in the book of Psalms and Tukiendelea. Last month, we looked at um, the last days series. We are looking at the end of days. In the first week, we asked ourselves the question of whether these are really the last days. In the second week, we saw what Paul was, take, was telling T Timothy about the end of times. Uh, to watch out for those that will leave the faith because of lies and false doctrines. In the third week, we talked about Jesus warning his disciples of our suffering in the last days. And then in the final week, we talked about the fact that Jesus is coming back soon and very soon. If you missed any of the sermons, come here, just click. After this one, there's others, Apochini. We're on Anchor FM. Uh, and since you're here, you know that already. This month, we're going to look at the book of James. Today, we begin with chapter 1. I believe God is speaking to us in these last days. And one of the best books, and I, I think this is why God put it in my heart to share on, from the book of James. One of the best books to study, especially in times of difficulty, in times of heartache, in times of finding life, is the book of James. Today begins chapter 1. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, prepare our hearts today as we share the word of God together. Open our hearts to listen, but not just to listen to obey everything we hear and to do it boldly and confidently. In Jesus' name we pray, hallelujah and amen. Matthew chapter 13 tells us that when Jesus went back to his home in Nazareth and started teaching at the temple, the people were so offended in him that they asked him where he got his wisdom from, especially since they didn't know that he had brothers. Not that they didn't know he had brothers, but they knew his brothers. I asked the question earlier that how many brothers do you think Jesus had? 
Just take a moment. How many? Now Suseme 12, it's not 12. <laughs> the disciples are not his brothers. Those were disciples. How many brothers did Jesus have? The answer is James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, also called Jude. His brother James, who was called Jacob in Hebrew, including all his brothers, never believed him. This is shown to us in John chapter 7. At some point later, though, James believes in his brother Jesus and is given the name James the Righteous. Jesus actually appears to him after his resurrection, as shown by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15.7. Can you imagine your brother appearing to you as Christ? Mm. He was the first leader of the Jerusalem church, actually the second after Peter. After the conversion of thousands, but after persecution of Christians began earnestly after Stephen's death. The church was scattered from Jerusalem and into Judea and Samaria to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and to Antioch in Syria. He was writing to the persecuted Christians after Stephen's death because persecution was major. Remember, Paul was very instrumental in the persecution of the church. So when this book is written, we must remember that it is the first book ever to be written in the New Testament. He writes to the persecuted Christians that have scattered and he begins chapter 1 concentrating on trials from verses 2 to 12, on temptations, verses 13 to 18, and on resting in the truth of the word of God from verses 19 to 27. Let's see what he says on trials in the beginning of the book. Verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in the high position. But the rich should take pride in the humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with a scorching heat and withers the plant. It blossoms, falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while, while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres in a trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. This is what James is telling us on trials. Number one, in verse two, the attitude we must always have in trials is joy. It is rejoicing. We must be joyful in the difficulties of trial. We rejoice because, number two, in verse 3 and 4 is telling us that the advantage of trials is it blesses us with perseverance. There's an advantage. We don't just go through trials for the sake of trials. It blesses us with perseverance. And when perseverance completes its work in us, we become mature and complete, lacking nothing. We become, as the book of Peter tells us, perfect as God is perfect. Number 3, in verse Verses 5 to 12, the assistance we get for the trials we face lies in us asking God 
for wisdom to deal with the very trials. We shouldn't doubt when asking God, otherwise the wisdom will never come. Like the poor becomes rich and the rich becomes poor. Both are trials and the wisdom needed is that both and all others in trial should persevere. And only in that will they receive the crown of life, which will be some sort of special blessing, honor, privilege or recognition in the future eternal reign of Jesus. Assistance, advantage, attitude, that's all in trials. Therefore, what are trials then? What is a trial? Is it a difficulty? A, a, diffic a hard time in life? Trials like we've learned in chapter 1, in the verses you've just read, are tests of our faith. They come in forms of outside forces beyond our control. For example, heartbreaks, illnesses, fires, accidents, job losses. And all we must do when they come is simply stand firm in the wisdom of God. It is okay, this is a powerful statement, to suffer because of trials, because we'll receive a crown at the end of time. It is okay to suffer because of trials. Why? There are things, situations God allows to help us, to mature us in our faith, to grow closer to God, to draw closer to Him. Those are trials. Let's look at what James says on the issue of temptations. That's verse 13 to 18. Let's, let's read. When tempted, I'm reading from the NIV. When tempted, verse 13, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. This is what James is saying about temptations. Verse 13 and 14. The source of our temptations is never God, but the evil desires from our flesh. Eh, don't say God has tempted you. Eh, eh. It is the evil desires of your flesh. The source of temptations is from the evil desires of our flesh, the old man that lives inside of us. Verse 15 and 16, there are steps that temptations take and they begin from desire, then sin, then finally death. Mm. That is all the temptations steps. That is, temptation step. that is all <laughs> that's all the tempt, uh, temptation will take you through. That is the progress. It begins from desire, then to sin, then to death. No wonder we are told whenever temptations come, run, flee. All through the New Testament, that is all God teaches us. The Old Testament shows us Joseph ran. When the lady wanted to sleep with him, Potiphar's wife, what did he do? He ran. God will always give you a way out. That is what we are told in the New Testament. He will always open the door. Get, get you to run. It is up to us. 
So we have to kill it in the desire. No. Because if we don't, sin happens. And when sin happens, it's death. If you're constantly eating sweet stuff, you can't control yourself. Ask me, I'm a sweet tooth. Because of being, because of being a sweet tooth, I don't have one tooth. <laughs> These guys you see with mapengos, this is a molars back in their teeth. It's because we didn't kill the desire before it came. We didn't kill the we didn't kill uh, the temptation at the desire phase. We let it get to sin, and finally, it, the death of the tooth happened. <laughs> Number three, verse seventeen and eighteen tells us that the solution for temptations lies in the gift of the goodness of God, His salvation to us. The truth of God's word trumps the lies that the temptations give us. What is the most powerful truth God gives us about temptations? Flee. Flee lusts. Flee your youthful lusts. Run away from them. If you're listening to me and there's a temptation that is almost overwhelming you, run. Do not condone it in your mind. Do not think about it. Flee. The word of God helps us. What did Jesus do? It is written. All the lies that the devil gave, it is written. Therefore, what are temptations? Are they the same as trials? No, they are not. Temptations, first of all, are never from God. But they are individual evil desires of our own flesh. And all we must do is resist, resist its lies using the truth of the word of God. They are specific to the individual and only exist in three ways. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. It is not okay. Remember we said about uh, trials, it is okay to suffer because of trials. It is not okay to suffer because of temptations. Don't be fooled. In other words, you'd rather suffer because of trials than because of temptations. The crown that comes with giving into temptations is the consequences that are normally very painful to bear. Remember David. When he was tempted by the beauty of Bathsheba, slept with her, a baby came. Before that, he'd even killed Uriah. The baby died. The consequences of that is that his family was never departed from the sword of death. Remember the, um, the prophecy Nathan, the prophet, gave him from God. Guys, the consequences to giving in to temptation will destroy the generations that you leave behind. God will have mercy, but he may not protect you from the consequences. Let's be careful. Let's stay in him. Let's look at how James finishes off the chapter. I'll read verse 19 to 27. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what it looks like. 
But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. The religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James tells us the following about resting in the truth of God's word. Number one in verse 19 to 21, he tells us that our reception of God's word, how we receive God's word, means we have willingly accepted it, accepted it as truth. And therefore, he demands that we get rid of all evil and moral filth that was our ways before. How we listen, speak, and get angry begins to show differently. When you have willingly accepted God's word, then it means that how you listen, speak, and get angry must be different. You must be speaking a different language now. And even if you're still struggling, you must know that ah, this is wrong. I need to change. The Spirit of God has begun working in you. Number two, in verse 22 to 25, it talks about our response to God's word which demands that we not only listen, but to do everything the Word of God tells us. Listening and not doing God's Word is like forgetting how you look after seeing your reflection in the mirror. Who forgets how they look? You don't. Ask the ladies. Eh? Mascara on point. You know, lipstick, the color. You know how that thing looks. God, our mirror, shows us the image of our motives evil desires and inward condition and then after seeing we quickly forget what we have seen that is what god is talking about whenever you accept the word of god willingly as the truth of life when you see yourself in the word of god you must accept what you see god will show you the image of your motive, your desires, the evil ones, and your inward condition. So when we see it and then forget that God has shown us what we've just seen, then we are lying to ourselves. I kid you not, I promise you, one of the biggest things that God will do when you start reading the word of God is he will show you how faulty you are, how filthy, how full of sin that you are. But most of us will see that and then ignore it. That is what God is talking about. Has God been showing you how you look like after reading his word? Then don't forget it. Because when you're forgetting it, you're almost trying to say that you're not responding to God's word. You're not doing what he's telling you to do. To stop shouting. To stop quickly not listening. Mm. doing God's word after listening to it will command a blessing to us. That is what God has said. And the blessing is not five acres in Kitisuru. Come on. God will choose whatever blessing it is. Finally, God says in verse 26 and 27 that we must resign ourselves to God's word. God's word. 
resigning to God's word demands that our so-called religion Igritunasema ati, ah, me I believe, me I'm a Christian. It's true. It looks like keeping a tight rein on or bridling or putting a leash on our tongues. It is doing what God says in his word. This also involves helping the needy in the world and above all, making sure the world does not influence us in any way. Are you one that follows the trends or are you the trendsetter? According to the word of God, we are the salt and light of the one. So it means we must be the one setting the godly trends. Or are we the ones following the trends of the world? <sighs> Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. You know that line? The writer of that hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, is a man called Scriven, John. Born 1819, John Scriven lost his wife before they got married. The night before he gets married. He tried married again Get, he tried getting married again and lost his wife again to sickness. That's two wives. By the time he's writing these words, it was a poem that he was writing to his mom who was sick back in his country, Ireland. He was in Canada by this time. And he's writing to console her. Think about the agony this guy went through. But he still would pen down the line Take it to the Lord in prayer. Guys, it is about the Lord. For us to go through the trials, the difficulties of the stuff that we face, the deaths, the illnesses, the heartaches, the heartbreaks. For us to go through those, for us to recover from temptations, we will need the Lord. This is another song. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There's been times I didn't know right from wrong, but in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation. That my trials came only to make me strong. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. This is by Andrew Crouch, penned in 1971. Andrew Crouch lost his father, his mother, and his brother in a space of two years. And the crouch suffered from four different cancers and had a heart condition, a heart condition. Through it all, he says, he has learned to trust in Jesus. What are your trials? What are you currently facing? My encouragement to you as we come to a close is stand firm in the wisdom of God. The wisdom of his word that he will never leave you nor forsake you and that he'll see you through it all. All he has asked is that you trust in him. Whether a trial, whether a consequence of temptation, trust in him. David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He trusted in the Lord that he would comfort him even when he had made the mess. Think about that. Are you overwhelmed by a temptation? 
What is it? Do you know the sin that so besets you? That is the question. Do you know it? My encouragement to you, resist, flee, in order that God's blessing may not bypass you. Because the more you give in to the temptation, the more the blessing of the Lord will not follow you. The more you resist, the more you'll overcome, the more you'll be a blessed man. The more your generations after you will call you blessed. Finally, receive, respond, and resign yourself ultimately to God's word. It will keep you confidently standing firm through the trials. It will help resist the temptations of the flesh. It will eventually grow and draw you closer to God. It will make you salt and light to the world and not polluted by it. It will eventually make you complete in Him. I finish with this question, which you always do. Do you know Him? Because you will not go through the trials in this life or the temptations without knowing the Savior Jesus. Know Him today and see your life change. It is as simple as asking Him to come into your heart, into your life, and make you anew. To become the Lord over you and all your decisions. And I kid you not, when the trials come, when the temptations seem to almost want to overwhelm you, then the Lord and His Word will help you overcome. And you will begin your process to being completed here. God bless you and have a great day, a great week. See you next time. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at Trubani House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.